Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this Rare But Real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter, Grace Anna, and her daughters-in-law, Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. And now, Audrey Brogy. Hey there, I'm so glad that you've joined me for this podcast today. And today I want to start with a passage that this podcast is built upon. And we shared um, on the very first episode from Colossians chapter 2. And I had all of my girls with me that day, Kessid, Maureen, Grace Anna, and Marilyn. And I read this passage, and it's when Paul is writing to the believers in um, the church and Colossae. And he said, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it. I love that. Is this very active? See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule. And authority, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. You know, it's so wonderful to read that passage of Scripture because Paul is very aware, even in that day and as it continues through to our day, that it's so easy for us, even believers who understand the gospel and know that they have been bought with a price, to be carried away by plausible arguments, by persuasive arguments, and they can be led astray. And that's why he's so emphatic about saying, you've got to see 
to it that no one leads you astray. See to it. Pay attention. Know what's going on around you. Don't be held captive through all this empty deception that is out there. And my heart is has been so burdened, not just for myself as I was a young woman and wanting to stay true to the Word of God, but over the years, burdened for my daughter and and my sons as well. But I'm thinking in terms of um, being a woman whom God has given a ministry to other women, and that's what we see in the Scripture is women are supposed to be in a discipleship relationship with other women in the church, other believers. They're supposed to grow in their own understanding of doctrine and understand what the scripture says, and they are to pass that on to the next generation. And so understanding that, and as you grow in Christ, your heart gets burdened, not only for yourself, that you would not be led astray, but he burdens your heart for the next generation that they would not be led astray. And sad to say, in the day and age in which we live, when it seems that the church at large has jettisoned God's principles on biblical manhood and womanhood and the distinctiveness of the roles in the church and in the home and in the world, that we've just made up our own rules. We've made up our own philosophies. We've just decided to follow uh, the, the spirit of the age and the spirit of the world rather than the spirit of God. And it was um, a few years ago, actually it was in 2019, I taught a series in our church called Growing Girls. And um, and it was a four-week um, series. And for any of you who are listening, you can um, download the Search the Scriptures app. When you um, type that in, type Search the Scriptures, not just STS, because when you type in Search the Scriptures, the app will come up. It's, um, it's navy blue with a little white triangle with the letters STS on it. And then if you go to that, and then you look at the bottom, you'll see where it says woman's life, and you click on that, and then as you, you'll see a lot of the messages that I have taught in the me- women's ministry of our church, and one of them is growing girls, and I would encourage you um, as a woman to listen to that. It doesn't matter if you don't have daughters in the home or if you're a single woman, whatever. It's the principles that we need to understand um, as women and the roles that God has given us and how He wants to use us in the day in which we live is so very important. And when I was teaching that series in my church, um, I had told our women that I was working on um, a list of women teachers um, because over the years I have been asked so many times about, well, how do you know who is good to listen to? How can you tell which quote-unquote women teachers out there are worth listening to. And of course, one of the things I always say and think about is, why do we as women only want to listen to women teachers? Because again, women are supposed to have a discipleship ministry in the lives of other women, but but for the most part, what you see in scripture is those are to be women that you rub shoulders with, those who that you actually know, those who you're, you're having a ministry, not just in terms of a formal teaching situation, although we certainly do that, but it's also in um, needing to talk with them at church or needing to get together outside of church to help them work through an issue with their husband or their children or something personal in their own lives. It's modeling godly womanhood before them. It's modeling uh, what it means to be um, a woman who seeks after the Lord with her whole heart. And um, But because of the 
um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, maybe the advent in this day where there's just everybody can get their voice out there because of technology and you can be on YouTube and you can have a podcast just like this one. You can have, um, you know, you, you accumulate followers and you become an influencer. Everybody has a voice. And so you have to be careful who you listen to because there are a lot of women who claim to be Christians and are not. A lot of women who are definitely Christians, but they have been carried away by deception uh, that's in this world, and they're not following after the Lord, and they're not holding fast the faithful word that we are supposed to in the at, at all times in our lives. And so it becomes a problem to know, well, who do I listen to? Because here's the thing, so many women just you know, if if there's a woman out there who is a good writer, or she is a funny storyteller, or she um, knows how to uh, uh, pull in an audience and captivate them with her words and the things that she says, um, and she says maybe some little pithy sayings that are you know, maybe ring true or have some truth to them, or she identifies uh, with women and where we are. It's so easy for women to latch onto that and not think biblically, are these women actually sharing the truth or do I just enjoy listening to them because they're funny or because they're engaging or because they have a way with words or whatever it is. And um, and so we have to be very discerning. We have to be uh, rare and we have to... Um, Look for women who are rare but real, you know, according to the scripture. And someone asked me this weekend, I was speaking at a conference and someone was talking to me afterwards and I w- they wanted to know how they could listen to other messages and how they could listen to the rare but real podcast. And and I was sharing with them how that name came about. And even some of you who are listening might think, well, how did you get the name Rare But Real for this podcast? And of course, when you listen to the intro, you find out a little bit about that. But really, the genesis of it came when back before the pandemic set in, um, we were planning a conference at our church with um, my daughter and two daughters-in-law at the time, um, because our women wanted to hear from them. And I am so thankful that God in His kindness has allowed me to have a daughter and two daughters-in-law at that time whose hearts beat for the Lord, who um, are walking according to God's principles, and they're a new generation of, of women who are holding fast the faithful word. And a lot of the women in our church wanted to hear from them. And so we planned a women's event for the fall of 2020, um, where we brought them in, and um, and, and it's it was just a wonderful time with our women. We still had it, even though COVID was uh, going strong at that point, but we followed all the guidelines and we didn't have, you know, fellowship afterwards. We just, you know, but we still held it and we live streamed it and you could still, you know, hear that, watch that if you want to. However, getting back to the title, um, you know, in Proverbs chapter 31, um, we see where King Lemuel is writing down the oracle that his mother taught him. And then I believe it's verse 10 when the question is, um, an excellent wife who can find her worth is far above. And then it goes on with a description of this excellent woman. But that question that's asked, an excellent woman who can find is the whole idea that she is very rare. This kind of woman is out there, but she's rare. It's 
hard to find her in the day in which they lived and in the day in which we lived. But she's there. She is a real woman. She's not just a figment of uh, imagination or just some um, plastic woman or hologram that you could never live up to, that you could never be. But no, she's a real woman. And any woman who knows the Lord and walks according to his principles is that kind of woman. She's an excellent woman. She's rare, but she's real. And even in the generation that's coming up behind me, um, they're out there. There are young women, and I hear from so many all the time who really want to walk with the Lord. They want to know how to be discerning. They want to know who to follow. They want to know... um, you know, they want to be convicted in a good way. In fact, that's one of the things one of the women said to me on Saturday when she was leaving before the last session that I taught. She had to leave, and she, she wanted to know how she could how she could listen to the rest of the sessions. So I was showing her the app and all that. But one of the things she said to me is, um, "You know, this has been so good for me today." She said, "I was encouraged, but I was more convicted." She said, "I was really convicted." And she said, but convicted in a good way, I have a lot to think about, and I have a lot that I need for the Lord to change in my life. And um, and that's the way I feel every time I uh, read the scriptures with any seriousness. I'm always very encouraged, but then I'm also very convicted of, of, of the truths of God's word, and it becomes a catalyst for me to say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to help me change. I really want to continue on with you. I want you to continue to get out the crud in my life and and help me be all that you want me to be until you take me home. But when I was teaching um, Growing Girls, um, you know, I told those women that I would come up with a list of Bible teachers. And, you know, it's funny because after that session, some of the older women, now I am an older woman, but some of the women who were even older than I am came up to me and they were very concerned that I would be naming names. They were they were like, you know, I don't know that, you know, that that would be kind or maybe you shouldn't name names. Maybe you should just you know, give principles. Well, I took that to heart because I understand where they're coming from. But as, and this, by the way, today's podcast is just the first in a series that I'll be doing with uh, Maureen and Grace Anna and Kessid and maybe Marilyn. She's very busy right now in her season of life. So she hasn't been joining us lately on the podcast, but I want to do this particular series in terms of discernment and how you know. And so we will be naming names as we um, walk through this. But I want you to know that as we name names, as we talk about different women out there and their ministries, it is not a personal attack. It is not something against them in a personal way. It's just holding what they're doing um, in line with scripture and helping all of us, myself included, to be discerning about who we should be listening to and what we should be taking in and how we should be, um, you know, uh, walking in this world and and listening to who we should be listening to and tuning out who we shouldn't uh, be listening to. And then on top of that, the more you grow in your discernment, the more you can listen to some of these people and you're like, that's not right. That's not right. And it be, and, and it becomes a catalyst to make you even more bold in your faith. Now, for example, this past week, I was listening to, uh, I listened to several episodes of a podcast of a woman who has, who's very popular. I'll probably name her later. Um, but she's very popular, and she used to be 
um, with Lifeway. And by the way, it's not Beth Moore, this particular woman I'm talking about, but we will talk about her as well. Um, But then she got dropped from uh, Lifeway a a few years ago because she came out uh, LGBTQ affirming. And and she has since that time um, has a podcast and I've read a lot about her. So I know about her. And um, but I listened to a few of her podcasts and, and, you know, it just made me want to cry because it's so sad um, how she's apostatized and how as I've listened to her and listened to these podcasts in these past weeks, it's like because of the things that she has said, her own words, it's obvious that she probably does not know the Lord, or I would say she doesn't, but I can't judge hearts. So I don't know. But but, but, but from the things that she says, it's like, oh, this is so sad. You never really knew what the grace of God was about. You never really understood the cross because she's totally wanting to jettison the fact that we are sinners, that we are in need of a savior, that we are, um, that no one seeks for God, no, not one, that the heart is desperately wicked, who can know it? Those are bad doctrines, according to her. Those are things that we shouldn't be telling people, according to her. Well, that's, you know, you have to understand those things in order to understand why you need a Savior, why Christ came. Otherwise, he didn't have to die on the cross. He could have just come to earth and said, hey, y'all, love one another, do kind things to one another, and he didn't have to go to the cross, and no one would even have been offended by that. Um, But people were offended by Jesus because he taught the truth. And that's why he died. It's because he took on our sin and we deserve to die for our sin. Nobody wants to say that anymore, but we deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. But that's why Jesus came because he came to earth as a man and the God man. And he went to the cross in our behalf behalf and died in our place. And then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, proving that he was God and that he could do what he said he was going to do. And so when women start walking away from those principles that are um, in the word of God, they quickly um, embrace all of the empty deception that's out there in the world. And it really shows that they're listening to voices in the world rather than the voice of God, that they really don't know God's word. And so what I want to do, um, I want to read, well, I'll, I'll try to make it conversational so it's not boring for you, but I want you to know where you can find this article. That I wrote because I think it will really help you, and I think it will be great as the introduction to this series. And it's on um, my website, it's audreybrogie.com. I don't update it very often, but I leave it there because there's so many blog posts on there that will encourage you. There's so many things that you can find out from, from that. Um, that website that I hope will be of help to you. But one of the ones that I posted uh, up there, and I posted it on April 24th, 2019, are my thoughts on women Bible teachers. And it's kind of a primer on helping you discern who you should listen to. So I'm pulling my, get my computer right here in front of me, and I'm just going to um, share it with you. So, um, and I want to tell you this, that my own heart is to obey God in my own life. And as he leads, help other women to do the same. And as I say that, I have been, you know, serving in ministry alongside my husband ever since we got married. In fact, before we got married, I wanted to be in ministry and, um, and by God's grace, and I'm, I'm so thankful for his kindness and his grace that he has 
kept the two of us true to his word as much as we know how. And even as God has expanded my own personal ministry, um, I have always wanted to obey God in these areas that I'm getting ready to share with you. So on one end of the spectrum, we have women who are complete heretics. They would not view themselves that way, and they may even have portions of truth nuggets in what they say, but there are major problems with their doctrine, and they are teaching a false gospel and should be completely avoided. On the other end of the spectrum, there are women who are completely orthodox, who not only teach the gospel and the truth of the gospel, but also teach the proper perspective of biblical womanhood and practical application of living it out. They understand the roles of both men and women. They understand the biblical narratives, the commands, the accounts, and biographies in the scripture. Though they are not perfect, because none of us are, these women are the kind that I I would highly recommend and that godly pastors highly recommend. Then in the middle of the highly recommended women and the ones that I'm calling heretics, there's so much mushy ground and it's filled with mushy women. There are women who might be close to those we would highly recommend, but there's so much error in their teaching. Plus the direction in which they are moving make them the kind of women we don't recommend. We might have recommended them a few years ago. And by the way, I'm sad to say that there are women that I have recommended in the past that I would not recommend today and women who um, are moving in a way that breaks my heart because I have uh, recommended them in the past. So, um, but okay, let me see uh, in the middle, but okay, I lost my place in this article. Um, Plus the direction they are moving in which they are moving, make them the kind of women we don't recommend. We might've recommended them a few years ago, but they're moving closer to the middle. Then there are those in the middle, but they are leaning against the heretic line. I wouldn't call them heretics yet, but they're so close. Probably give a f- them a few years and they will be full blown in that camp. And I can think of many right now that are they're in my mind that I think, oh, I just said to someone yesterday, as a matter of fact, at church, you just give a few years, this woman is going t- to be totally out there. She's going to be in a place where we would have thought 10 years ago she would never land. Um, But we see this throughout history with people who started out seemingly doctrinally sound, but then they moved and they either completely abandoned or almost abandoned Christian orthodoxy. Popular women's authors of the past, like Hannah Whitehall Smith or Hannah Hernard, come to my mind. There are others, but these stand out because their books have been Christian bestsellers even to this day, and supposedly solid women have not only recommended them, but loved them. I was exposed to both of these authors and their books when I was an early staff member with Campus Crusade for Christ. And by the way, that's a whole organization that is going in the apostate direction, which breaks my heart as a former, I was involved in that ministry when I was a student and made a major impact in my life. And then my husband and I served with Campus Crusade for Christ at Duke University. In fact, that's how we met because I was a student at UNC involved in the Campus Crusade ministry on the campus. And he came there as a staff member with Crusade. And that's how we met. And so we're very brokenhearted at the direction that organization is going. 
But at the time, I sensed there was something not quite right, but I was not mature enough. And I'm talking about those books that I just mentioned and those authors. I was not mature enough in my discernment um, to do anything except stay away from their writings. And I'm glad I did. Women, it seems, tend to flock after women teachers who appeal to their senses, to, who appeal to their emotions and have an I'm like you relationship, girlfriend to girlfriend thing. And often women almost develop a sense of worship toward their women teachers to the point that even if heresy or false teaching is brought to their attention, they defend their women teachers because they have developed a sisterhood rather, viewing their, rather than viewing their teachings from the lens of scripture. Today, there are so many false teaching celebrity women who are capturing the hearts of good, godly men and building a relationship with supposedly orthodox men, where even these men are not willing to call the women out in a respectful way, of course, on their teaching eras. And this is so tragic. And the sad thing is, those men who are willing to call them out are labeled as misogynist and oppressive, labeled as men who only want to put women down rather than as men who are trying to hold fast the faithful word as God calls them to do in Scripture. Keep in mind that there is a reason certain Bible studies are not in our church, and I'm talking about Community Bible Church in Beaufort. Certain authors are not in our church. Our pastors and the elders have wanted to protect the flock. Sometimes there are books and study materials that have been recommended or or available in the past, but then they get pulled because the author or the authors are going in the wrong direction. God's way is that his people are taught and nurtured through the local church. God equips his church with members who are capable of teaching, discipling, and leading the people within its own membership. Of course, using other materials is very, very helpful and encouraging, but they have to be carefully weighed. There are so many authors that we love in our church. Other pastors like Alistair Begg, like a John MacArthur, like um, uh, Michael Youssef, or Erwin Lutzer, and an author like Elizabeth Elliot. However, so often people write and publish books to get a speaking gig or to line their own pockets with money. Nothing wrong with earning money from writing, but again, we have to be so careful. And in this day where everyone wants to be famous and everyone wants to be known and everyone wants to be an influencer, we have to be even more careful. So many of these women have become the cash cows of Christian bookstores and publishers, and even good godly people are tempted by the power, the money, and the influence, and they end up not holding fast to the truth. So here are some guidelines that I kind of put together for um, for discernment among uh, women teachers. So here goes. Number one, it's very important that a woman teacher does not violate 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. This means she's not to teach or exercise authority over men, period. This is different from speaking to a mixed group where she shares her testimony or praise or something like that. But if she is opening up the Word of God and teaching it, she is disobeying God. If she says she is under the authority of a pastor or an elder, then not only is she disobeying the Word of God, her pastor or elder is disobeying the Word of God. A pastor or an elder cannot allow something that God forbids. God's Word is crystal clear on this issue. Obviously, that's just one passage in Timothy, but it's taught throughout all of the Scripture. 
Number two, this goes without saying, or it should go without saying, but a woman who is teaching should not be living in any kind of open, unrepentant sin. This can take many forms, but if she is living with her boyfriend, or if she's a lesbian, or she approves of a homosexual marriage and lifestyle, or she is actively seeking an unbiblical divorce or anything like that, as she's known for being, you know, drinking all the time or gossiping or whatever. Um, she, we shouldn't be following a woman who's in any kind of open, unrepentant sin. Number three, some women are completely orthodox. And they may teach the biblical roles of men and women, but if she is a mom of young children, she shouldn't be spending the bulk, and I'm saying bulk because it doesn't mean that she can't ever do these kinds of things, speaking or going teaching at a conference or whatever, but she should not be spending the bulk of her time away from the home to pursue anything, even Christian ministry. Her most important Christian ministry is right around her kitchen table. And I know that this is difficult for so many gifted women. And when I say gifted, all of us are gifted, but I'm talking about those who have a speaking gift, who God has gifted with words to share and to to, uh, exhort. Um, uh, let's see. And so I know it's difficult for those kinds for those women in particular because they have been infected with the spirit of the age, and they like the no- notoriety, and they like feeling like they're doing something more. And I put the word more in quotes because you know you're doing such an important work in your home. Um, you know, how is it that we think more is out there when God has entrusted us with the more right in our own homes? We have children to teach. We have children to train and to raise and to share the gospel with. They are the ones, our home, our husbands and our children, if we're married and have a family, those are the ones we are supposed to give the best of our knowledge. We should know doctrine because we have to teach our children doctrine. Think about the stuff that your children ask you, you know, about well, why, why, do, why do people go in the water? What does that mean? You know, what does it mean when those, when the, when the snack comes around in the service and I'm talking about the Lord's table, those are their doctrinal questions that your children ask. And they're going to ask them all throughout the week. They're going to ask them at unexpected moments and you have to know the scripture so that you can teach them. And this is incredibly important work. And so for some of you who do have the gift of teaching and you have the gift of words, that's supposed to be taking place. The best hours of your day should be taking place teaching those things right in your home. But I know no one's listening to that out there in the world. You're not getting noticed for that out there. And so we're all tempted with thinking it's not that important when it is. But here, uh, there's this too, whatever age or stage a woman is in, serving in her local church where she knows the people and the people know her is supposed to be a place where she serves. You know, Peter tells us that we're to employ our gifts in the body of Christ. Um, This is what the scripture teaches. Number four, God loves the local church. He established it and it is the main place where we serve God's people and use our gifts. And you think about there's so many women out there they're just traversing the the continent and the world and they're not really involved in a in their local church not on a consistent basis because they're out doing other things and they're letting the parachurch ministries or other ministries take the place of what they should be doing in their own local church 
Number five, also a woman teacher should be teaching through the lens of Titus chapter two. It's not that she's teaching that passage exclusively. I mean, sometimes that's what women think when when I uh, have taught that. They think, oh, well, how many times are you going to teach um, to love your husbands, love your children, be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so the word of God will not be dishonored? Well, number one, if I taught those principles the rest of my life, I would never exhaust what the scripture says about those things. I would never exhaust it because you see it in the biographies, you see it in the in the poetry of scripture, you, you see it in the history of scripture, you see it in stories of scripture, you see it all over the Bible, so you would never exhaust it. You would never, ever exhaust it. Um, and, and so she's not always just teaching that passage exclusively. She can and should teach and exhort from all of Scripture, but she is teaching through that lens because she understands what the Scripture says to and about women. She understands how God wants her to teach. Helping women live out right doctrine as they go about the duties that God clearly has assigned to them. And a woman, by the way, should teach like a woman, not like the pastor, not like a man. She, we're women, and we're to teach like women teach and teach through that lens of Scripture. And we all know, as we've seen what's happened in these last 40 years, that the quote-unquote, so many of the quote-unquote women Bible teachers out there, they come across like they're, I mean, obviously they have their woman spin to it, but they they come across like they're the pastor, like they're the ones in charge. And that's very sad. And then number six, it's very important that a woman teacher is not partnering with or appearing with false teachers. And I'm talking about maybe orthodox women, but they're but they're buddy buddying with people who are teaching something that's totally opposite of Scripture. It's a violation of Second John nine through eleven. But see, in our day, women want to be so kind and sweet, and they want to be likable by likable by everyone, and they want to expand their audience. I mean, think about that for a second. So much so that they do not want to ever take a stand. Because listen, ladies, if you take a stand, if you have convictions in areas, you won't be asked to speak in certain places. You won't sell as many things. You won't have a larger audience because you won't be pleasing everybody. You will be more like Christ because he didn't please everybody. But so many of these women want to be all-inclusive so They're popular, even when they know better, and they end up partnering with anyone, and it's very, very dangerous. So for me, if I'm not familiar with a particular woman about whom someone asked me, and I get asked about specific people all the time, I check on these kinds of things. I'll look into the person. Sometimes I don't even need to examine what a woman has taught or what she's writing, because if she's violating 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, I know she can't be trusted, especially if she has any years on her. Now, I know that there's a lot of younger women who have a, a story to tell, or they're sharing a testimony, or they have a speaking gift, and they speak, and they need time to grow. They need time to mature. I know there's some things that we aren't, we don't know yet, or we're still learning. So I, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about women who, who know better. Um, because, but here's the thing, if a woman can be deceived on that one issue, and when you read first Timothy chapter two, when, when you see God's command of what women are not to do, and then he, by the way, he continues on with what they are to do because women so often only want to focus on what God 
has forbidden rather than what he has said, just like Eve did in the garden. You know, she focused on that one tree and that's how the how the um, evil one tempted her and seduced her into doing what God said not to do because all she focused on was the one tree rather than all that God had given her to partake from. And that's what's happening with us today. And in fact, in that first uh, Timothy chapter two passage, God goes right back to creation when he talks about Eve being deceived. And and that's the basis of it. So if she can be deceived on that one issue, she can be deceived on so many more and she cannot be trusted. And this, of course, doesn't mean that some of these women are teaching flat out heresy as a whole, but they can't be trusted. And I would never recommend them because usually what happens if you step out of something that you know and you flat out disobey it, then you're going to go in a direction that's away from scripture, scripture rather than towards scripture. And they'll spout out scripture and they'll say a whole lot about the Bible, but it's with a twisted uh, way that they're presenting it. In fact, the, one of the podcasts I listened to this past week had this woman that I mentioned earlier, and she was interviewing this other woman that I mentioned earlier. And even listening to the podcast, they were using tons of scripture, but it was so bad. And I just thought, wow, just the deception of all these women who are coming up behind them and looking up to them as spiritual leaders. It's just really, really sad. And um, let's see, uh, there, there are women teachers sometimes that I've recommended five years ago, but now because of what these women are teaching and what they're doing, I don't anymore. Sometimes people start out correctly, but then they begin to drift. You know, and sometimes you see that not even in, just in terms of women Bible teachers, but you see that in your own ter- church among believers. You see believers who you thought were on the same page and who you thought understood scripture, and they were just like obeying God everywhere they knew how, and then they begin to drift, and they accept this, and then they accept that, and then they accept that, and so you were so close, but then it's like that fork in the road, and and when when you start going, you know, if, if you're the one that's going more towards orthodoxy and towards scripture, and you're growing in that way, and that person is drifting, then before long, you're miles apart, and so sometimes people start out correctly, but then when they start drifting, they go further and further away So um, I will be naming particular names as this series continues, Um, but on today's um, podcast, I'm not going to do that Um, because even if I, you know, and even if I did today, I would not be saying they're not nice people. So I wouldn't be saying that. It just means that you shouldn't be following them. And some of them, it's so evident. You can you you just know it, it's, it's so evident because you know it's just in your face. Oh, this person is totally apostatized. They've totally gone the wrong way. But others, it's harder to tell because it's like they have their foot in, in the water. And I'll use the water as the water of the word, the Holy Scripture. But then they have another foot that's in the scorching earth in, in the way of the world. And so they'll say some things that are, sound orthodox and are good, but then the way they apply it or the way they twist it or whatever, it's, it's not good. Um, and let me say this too, that there's lots of men who are not good teachers out there, but I teach women. So, and I also know that the tendency of women is to worship other women and to only want to hear from women rather than uh, 
um, men. And so that's why I want to address this topic. And I feel more burdened about it the longer I live because, again, as I said at the opening of this podcast, um, there's so many ways to be influenced by so many people because of technology. And the wonderful thing about technology is it, it does get your voice out there and it and people are able to hear you and they're able to, um, you know, reach a larger audience. And, um, and I don't know whom God will reach with this rare but real podcast that I'm doing with my daughter and daughters-in-law. Um, but I know that I always want to stay true to the truth. I know that I could drift. I know that if I started disobeying the Lord in a small thing and didn't check it, didn't um, live in repentance towards the Lord in the small things, that I would drift as well. And that's why I love the passage in First John, um, because Uh, This is talking about um, family forgiveness. You know, when we come to know the Lord, when we first become a Christian, we experience judicial forgiveness, meaning that God has forgiven us um, for all of our sins, past, present, and future. He has... has, washed our sins away through the blood of Christ, and he remembers them no more. They're as far as the east is from the west, and he looks at us through the blood of Christ because Christ's blood covers us. Um, But first John, but we're in the family, so we're not separated from God anymore. But when I sin as a believer, and I do, I break that fellowship with God, and I don't experience him in the way that I should. I'm still his child. I still belong to him. But if I don't deal with the sin that God shows me and that I commit in my life, then I set myself up for, for drifting and for being an old crusty Christian. And, you know, I said Saturday when I was teaching these women at one point when we were talking about these issues and and, and I was talking to them about how we all have the capacity to be horrible moms and uh, but yet um, God's common grace allows even unbelievers to be um, good moms but we have that capacity and um, and I was telling them that you know if you're a Christian if you know the Lord and you're living in unrepentant sin and you don't want to submit that and confess that to the Lord you're one of the most miserable people in the world. In fact, you're probably more miserable than an unbeliever because you're a Christian who knows better and you're out of fellowship with God. And sometimes that's why Christians can give um, the world uh, a bad look at what Christianity is like because of believers who are out of fellowship with God. But 1 John 1, 9 says this, In fact, I'm going to read it starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now here he's talking about people who claim to be believers, but they're practicing sin because a true believer won't stay in a state of practicing sin, because that's usually proof positive they don't know the Lord. But if they're practicing sin for some length of time and they do belong to the Lord, then God's going to discipline them, which is what Hebrews uh, 12 teaches. He will bring them under discipline. Um, but So he says here, verse 7, but if we walk in the light 
as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's what happens when you love Christ and you're walking with him. Not only do you have fellowship with the Lord, but you have fellowship with other believers. So we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, there are people who say, oh, I'm not sinning. Well, they're sinning then because they're telling a lie. But here's the, here's the verse that I want to camp in for a second. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? It's like my husband often calls that the Christian bar of soap, or I've heard that through the years. You know, it's like confession. And I learned this from my husband. Confess means to agree with God, to call it what God calls it. You know, because we like to rationalize our sin and say, well, it wasn't really all that bad, or it wasn't really sin. But God wants us to confess our sin, to call it what he calls it, agree with him. Him. Confess your sin. And then the, if you confess it, agree with him that this was sin. I did wrong. Then the scripture says he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't you love that? Because of who he is and because of what he's done, he will forgive all your sins. He And again, remember, he forgave them all past present and future when he when you trusted him and he uh, took your sins away on the cross but then as you walk through this life you'll sin and you you'll you'll do things that are are not pleasing to him and so to enjoy his fellowship his presence and to enjoy him in this life we have to confess our sins confess them as soon as god points it out uh, confess it to him so that you can continue on and, and walk with him. If you don't confess them or if you continue in your sin, then you're just going to drift and you're not going to be sharp in your walk with the Lord. And sometimes it could be something just like you don't want to forgive someone or someone's wronged you and you just want to hold on to it and rehearse it over and over and over. Well, that's not hurting that person. That's hurting you. And here's the thing. You want to be close to the Lord. You want to be sharp in your thinking. If you're a mom who's raising children, you want to be sharp. You want to be able to tell them the truth. You want to be walking in wisdom as you raise them and as you teach them. And even as God gives you opportunity to have ministry in the lives of the women that he will place around you and the influence that you'll have in the men that he places around you, you need to be sharp. I need to be sharp. And so we need to be placing ourselves always under the lens of scripture and to walk with him and to confess our sins. Now, let me just say this before I close out the podcast too. Sometimes there are sins in our lives that we just are are not aware of. You know, um, the scripture says to him who knows to do right and does it not to him, it is sin. So there are, I'm sure there are things right now that I don't realize are sin in my life, but God will end up showing them to me as I continue in my walk with him. And um, and But as he shows them, I want to be quick to confess them and to have him cleanse me so that I can continue in this life to do the things that he's called me to do um, for him. So I hope today has encouraged you. I know that as I record with Maureen and Kessid and Grace Santa, they're going to have lots of um, ways and practical ways of how they try to keep their minds sharp and how they, um, you know, who they listen to and who they follow after and even how sometimes they have you have to you look at the books that you think oh this is a great book but then suddenly you realize wait a minute and um you know 
Anyway, so I could keep talking about this topic, but I need to close out today's podcast. And let me pray as I close out. Father, I thank you so much for the women who are listening to this podcast. I thank you for my daughter and daughters-in-law who have been so willing to be a part of it with me. I pray that you would keep each of us clean and pure and and always uh, ready to confess our sins to you so that we can be the women that you want us to be in the day and age in which we live. And I thank you for all the women who are listening, and I pray that you would help them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering From The Heart. And listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.